This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver, and I'm telling y'all, I am fired up for today's show. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, but NFL today. May have some NBA tomorrow, not sure, maybe discuss a little bit of Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, Golden State Warriors. Who knows? That's for tomorrow. Let's focus on the present. We got a lot of NFL to discuss. The Colts, moving on from Frank Wright and hiring Jeff Saturday to be their interim Head coach, I will do my very best, as I always try to do, to provide whatever context is there, if if there even is any. I'll discuss that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is is you know it seemed like he has to remind some people uh, who he is on the Pat McAfee show, and now his receivers are finally pushing back of his continued criticism. You know, week in and week out, they, they're tired of being the, quote, scapegoat. I'll get into that story later. Uh, also, uh, to, to discuss the show today, Lamar Jackson, once again, phenomenal performance against the New Orleans Saints, leading the Ravens to yet another win. I think that this is just the start of what could be a big, big winning streak for these Baltimore Ravens. And, of course, at the end of the show, I will predict tonight's NFC South matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Atlanta wins tonight, folks, and they have sole possession for the moment of the NFC South. He's got Tampa Bay going to Germany to play the Seahawks. So that's going to be a very, very interesting matchup that I cannot wait to predict tomorrow. But first, it has been the story that has seemingly dominated the NFL for about a week now. Is Odell Beckham Jr. going to end up on the Dallas Cowboys? Or really, where is Odell going to end up? There's numerous teams he mentioned. He's mentioned teams like Buffalo Bills, a possible reunion with the New York Giants, among others. One of those teams he did mention by mouth the Dallas Cowboys. Now, according to Ian Rappaport, he said, quote, the Cowboys have Odell in their sights. Jerry Jones, good old Jerry, right? Doing his uh, interview, weekly interview with 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, you know, just like all the other owners do, said, quote, Odell is, quote, someone we have, let me do it my best, Jerry, someone we have all the appreciation in the world for what he is as a, uh, as a competitor. And I know that the Dallas Cowboys star in his helmet would look good uh, when he puts that helmet on. So Jerry's trying to recruit Odell. Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, said he has always been a huge fan of Beckham. Okay. You have Ezekiel Elliott, you know, uh, you know, coming in front of the Dallas Cowboys media, 
Okay, and he's talking about how much he'd love to see Odell in Dallas. <clears throat> Excuse me, Micah Parsons on Twitter is recruiting Odell with a Photoshop picture of Odell in a Cowboys uniform. Everybody in Dallas wants Odell. And I will tell you this, of all the teams that are trying to get Odell Beckham Jr., and it appears, according to Jay Glazer, great Fox NFL insider on this past Sunday, he said Odell's expected to be cleared, medically cleared by the end of the week from that torn ACL from the Super Bowl. Of all the teams that won Odell Beckham Jr., I think the Cowboys makes the most sense. First of all, he would be a necessity in Dallas more than any other team outside of, I think, the Giants. And nobody thinks the Giants has any shot of getting to the Super Bowl. Not to say the Cowboys are contenders, because, you know, I'm very, very weary on that. Get, give it a couple of weeks. To me, they take care of business in Green Bay. And if they go on the road to beat Minnesota, okay, you may get some buy-in on carving it up live. But until then, you know, I, I have my reservations. But he will be more of a necessity in Dallas than he would be in Buffalo. Or possibly, say, the Los Angeles Chargers, which I've heard some people have, have thrown out there. I myself, on Sunday in an IG Live with my man Patrick Brown, shout out to the Chaotic Sports Podcast, I suggested, hey, who's to say he wouldn't go to Philadelphia? I don't know. They've got Devontae Smith, they got A.J. Brown. In Dallas, they need him. Because when we talk about the Cowboys as a possible Super Bowl contender, we have no doubts about the defense. The defense is what we're all like, okay, that's fine. Now, now Excuse me. Nobody is is like losing sleep about what that what that defense can can wreak havoc, right? They lead the NFL in sacks. Micah Parsons has been absolutely unbelievable to me. He's the front runner to win Defensive Player of the Year, which I predicted before the season started. Trayvon Diggs has improved drastically as a cover corner, a pure cover corner, from last year to this year. You got guys like Dorrance Armstrong having a big year rush to the past. Demarcus Lawrence playing well. Leighton Vanders. Everybody in that Dallas Cowboys defense seems to be playing well right now. Okay, you have, so the, you have all these different components. Offensively is where we have a lot of questions, right? Offensive line we think is good. It's exceeded expectations given the guys they lost in free agency being Connor Williams, or as I call him, Mr. Holding. Because Holding offense number 52 got old after a while. Lyle Collins left to go to Cincinnati. And then Tyron Smith went down with that torn hamstring in training camp and isn't expected to be back for at least another month. Given that, I think the offensive line's actually been pretty good. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, has played very well. Tony Pollard, we saw what he did against Chicago Bears. I've been saying Tony Pollard needs to be the Cowboys starting back for years now. He's good. We know they're fine at quarterback. You ain't got no worries about Dak Prescott. It's the skill position players. Can you really? Because when we talk about Super Bowl contenders, when we say Super Bowl contenders, we mean teams that can actually hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Teams that we can actually see on February the 12th around, let's see, that's in Arizona. So 8, 8 o'clock mountain. I guess they're in mountain time. I'm not sure. I, I, my friends in Arizona, please correct me on that if I'm wrong. We're on 8 o'clock-ish Arizona time. You can actually see that team raising the Lombardi trophy as confetti falls from the ceiling. Do you see the Cowboys as that? With C.D. Lamb, who's a two, as your number one, who, with Michael Gallup, who is, in my opinion, a lower end two as your number two guy, with Noah Brown, who's more of a four as your three, with the likes of possibly James Washington coming back, you're not certain, right? You have guys like possibly, you know, Cowboys were, were, were promoting Jalen Tolbert like crazy this offseason. 
that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Not when you have Tampa Bay with the likes of Evans and Godwin and, and all those different guys. Not when you have teams like Seattle with Metcalf and Lockett. Not when you have teams like the Philadelphia Eagles with A.J. Brown and, and uh, uh, shoot, what's the kid's name? Forgot, forgot this. Devontae Smith for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not when you have Kirk Cousins, who's got a plethora of weapons. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson. Lamb, Gallup, Brown, eh, that ain't going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. It's a good thing the Cowboys the NFC, because if the AFC, they get murdered in the wild card round by some of those quarterbacks with those weapons. You bring Odell in, changes all of that. Now, do the Cowboys have a number one receiver? Is Odell Beckham Jr. number one receiver? It's debatable, right? His numbers ever since 2019 have gone down just about every year. But when you look at overall production in the role that he played, particularly with the Rams last year as the number two behind Cup, gosh, he's excellent. You have the likes of Lamb and Odell taking attention away from one another, keeping the defense on their heels. And keep in mind, folks, the people that try to, uh, to, to downplay the impact that Odell Beckham Jr. has in the football field ain't watching the games. He caught a touchdown pass in the Rams' wild card win over the Cardinals, also threw a 40-yard pass for what it's worth. He had 113 receiving yards in the NFC Championship game, including a huge catch on third down on, uh, on one of those drives in the fourth quarter for the Rams. And the Super Bowl, folks, I'm not so sure Odell wouldn't have been Super Bowl MVP had he finished the game and not torn his ACL. Two catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. And what I always say, you, you know, you you guys, I talk ad nauseum. I'm going to try and not talk about it too much because we're barely, a, we're not even a month into the NBA season, but we talk about most valuable player in the NBA uh, regular season. It drives me crazy. You guys know it drives me crazy because there's not enough emphasis on the, the middle initial, V, valuable. What's valuable mean? To me, what is that team, what is your team like without you? Everywhere Odell's left has gotten exponentially worse since he left. The Giants, when they traded him to the Cleveland Browns after the 2018 season, took him four years to get their act together till this year. Took him two more head coaches, you know, a nuke, a quarterback change, a general manager change. Took him a lot of stuff. Cleveland, remember the whole, is it Baker's fault? Is it Odell's fault? Yeah, that question was answered pretty quickly once Odell got traded to, I'm sorry, got got released and then picked up by the Rams. Browns haven't gotten their act together since. Okay, they're trying to, they're hoping Amari Cooper's that number one guy, but trust me, as somebody who who's watched a lot of Cowboy games, he comes and he goes. I, that's why I was never like, oh my God, I can't believe the Cowboys traded Amari Cooper. I was mad at what they got in return. That was my issue. Not that they got rid of him. I didn't have any issue with that. Given his production just going up and down, up and down. Inconsistent. And look at the Rams without him. They still have the same quarterback. They still have that same number one receiver. Still got some of those offensive pieces. Van Jefferson. They've been a train wreck offensively. And now they're sitting there at three and five. Matt Stafford's a concussion protocol. Looks like the Rams aren't even going to make the playoffs. Odell's a little bit of impact in terms of value. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you're Jerry Jones. You'd be a fool to let this guy go. You'd be a fool to let this guy walk elsewhere. Just because I got to pay a little more than maybe you're comfortable paying him or because one of the things Odell said he wants is a multi-year deal he's he's like he he enjoyed sort of the rock star because Odell was not just a, a, a well-known football player guy was a celebrity 
okay, there was a while, I don't know if it's still the case, but there was a while where he was the most followed NFL player on Instagram. Like he he was almost had like that NBA player or international soccer stardom, right? Because he 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 played in big New York City, the Big Apple, right? And we know he was kind of an international star and, and things of that nature. Cleveland, not as big. Then goes to big shiny Los Angeles. And he's kind of been bounced around a little bit. He's a father now. Uh, I, I I'm I think he and his um his um his girlfriend. I'm not sure if they're engaged or not, but they're starting a family. He wants to settle down. He says he wants a multi-year deal. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, don't you dare let that push you back. Don't let the money push you back like it did with Von Miller. You've got the cap space. Make it work. Get Odell Beckham Jr. He wants to go there. Cowboys players want them to go there. Apparently, Jerry at least says he wants him to go there. The head coach says he's a big fan of his. By the way, Vegas has the Cowboys as the favorite to land Odell. Make it happen. Grady Edwards, my man, is in the comments section. What's up, Grady? He says, Odell should sit out the whole season and just get healthy for next season. That's an interesting take. Um, I disagree for the simple fact because there's that worry like, oh, is he coming back too early from the ACL? From what I've read, from what Odell has said and what other reporters around at the time when he played with the Rams last year said, Part of the reason he tore his ACL in that Super Bowl, it was already torn because it had never fully healed because the Browns medical staff didn't do a good enough job of, of uh, putting the ACL back together. So it was still, there was still a slight tear there. Super Bowl, playing on that turf in SoFi Stadium, and it got him. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Rams doctors, from what I'm reading... Did I mean, folks, something about the Rams. I, I didn't think I'd be talking about the Los Angeles Rams medical staff a whole lot today, but think about Cam Akers. Cam Akers last year, it's one of the most unbelievable uh, uh, comebacks from injuries I've seen, like in terms of, in terms of the, 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 the speed of it. Cam Akers tore his ACA, I'm sorry, tore his Achilles, way more serious, tore his Achilles in July. He came back for January in time for the playoff run for the Rams. What? That's how good this Rams medical staff is. So Odell says he's ready to go. He says his ACL feels way better than when he came back from the first ACL tear in 2020. That, now that's from Odell's perspective. It's also from the perspective of, of a lot of reporters covering this situation. Um, and he uh, Grady asks, Dallas winning a playoff game this season? It all depends on the matchup, and a lot of it hinges on whether or not they win the division. Now that's going to be really hard considering what Philadelphia's schedule is. You know, where they sit right now, Dallas at two games back. Of course, they lost that game in week six. That's going to be really hard for the Cowboys to try and come back from. Um, I mean, look, it, it's still tough for the Cowboys because, honestly, if the Cowboys are a wild card team, I want them to be the seven seed. As the playoff standings stand right now, I want them to be the seven seed. Because if they're the five seed, they got to go visit Tom Brady. I don't want that. Like I said on Monday's show, if they're the six seed, they got to go to loud, noisy Seattle. With that deep, I don't want that. Pete Carroll versus Mike McCarthy? Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't want no part of that. 
Go to Minnesota. Well, okay, it's a little bit of a difference, right? Weather's not a factor. Uh, none of us trust Kirk Cousins in big games. Dak has routinely outplayed Kirk Cousins. Like, I, if the Cowboys don't win the NFC East and it doesn't look like they're going to, then I want them to be the seven seed or whatever seed matches up with Minnesota. Much rather play Minnesota as opposed to the Niners or the Seahawks or the Bucks. Absolutely. Um, so that I didn't really give you an answer there, Grady, but I, I, here's here's my answer. It depends on the matchup. It, it is all dependent on, on whatever the matchup is uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. But all that's to say, Jerry, go get Odell. It's. I don't think it's a decision that you will come to re- regret, uh, given the impact he has ha- that he has had on all three teams that he has been a part of. Uh, now, moving on to the Monday night game, which I did predict the Ravens to win. I did not think that they would win this comfortably, given the fact that it's the Saints' defense. It is still the Superdome. It's one of the loudest venues in the NFL. The Saints had just finished shutting out the Raiders. Right? They've been seem like they're they're building their momentum a little bit. Andy Dalton's playing all right. And Baltimore came in and pretty much smacked him. Now, I've got two major takes from this game. Not really a whole lot from the Saints. I I thought the Saints would be a playoff team this year. I actually picked Jameis Winston to be my comeback player of the year. Uh, It's actually going to be another quarterback who's probably going to win that, being Geno Smith. But uh, but safe to say I was dead wrong about the New Orleans Saints coming into the season. But for the Baltimore Ravens, and I sort of alluded to this after the Tampa Bay win a couple Thursday nights ago, and I still hold true to it today. The Bucks, I'm sorry, the Ravens, as they sit right now, folks, they could get the number one seed in the AFC. They can get the number one seed in the AFC. Buffalo has a big, fat question mark surrounding their quarterback's health. Like, I, I don't have a Josh Allen segment on the show today, but what I will tell you today is, if that arm isn't right... Ain't no way I'm playing Josh Allen this week against the Minnesota Vikings. I get you don't want to throw Case Keenum to the fire against a great pass. Listen, if I if it costs me the division to the Miami Dolphins or dare I say the New York Jets, fine. I got Josh Allen and I got all those weapons. I got Sean McDermott. I got that defense. I can take. I can go on a a, a road wild card run to the Super Bowl. I've got the talent to do that. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, play it safe with Josh Allen. Big question mark surrounding the Bills, Chiefs. Barely survived a game in which the quarterback for the opposition completed five passes. Their quarterback, being Patrick Mahomes, had to throw the ball 68 times. And as I said on Monday's show, that's, I'm a little concerned about Kansas City, the fact that they're not committing to the run. They're in these dogfights with, 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 with teams with, with no offense whatsoever. And you got the likes of Patrick Mahomes, who he himself said recently, yeah, I kind of got out of hand. I, I don't really need to be throwing, nor want to be throwing 68 passes, basically saying Kansas City's going to run him into the ground if they're using him that much. Look at the Ravens' schedule. So first of all, as the standings set right now, going into Week 10, Week 10 starts tonight, Falcons, Panthers, which I'll predict at the end of the show. Ravens set a half game back of that number one seed in the AFC. Half a game back of the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo with the advantage because they beat the Chiefs a few weeks back. Look at the Ravens' schedule moving forward. They face the Carolina Panthers, who you'll see tonight, which right now, as it stands, ESPN has the Ravens as a 12.5-point favorite. I think they'll cover. They've got the Jaguars, and the Jaguars have played some teams close, but Baltimore is clearly and obviously better than Jacksonville. They've got the Let's Ride Broncos at home. 
They've got at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I don't see more than two possible losses. Pittsburgh and Baltimore, doesn't matter how good or how bad one of those teams are, they always play close ones. They always do. Always have. Probably always will. It's, it's, it's a great rivalry. One of those games might be close. But outside of Cincinnati, there is no debate that the Ravens will be favored in every single one of their games moving forward. Cincinnati will likely be favored in that last game of the season, which could decide the division, Maybe, you know, considering the, the, the coaching situation in Cincinnati, which I'm not terribly fond of, not even sure if they'll be in that position come week 18. But you look at the Baltimore schedule, folks, they could run the table. The way that defense has completely turned around since their abysmal three, four games to start this year, the way that Lamar Jackson is catching fire, mind you, without his number one receiver and without his number one pass catcher, that being Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is a top three tight end in the NFL. Absolutely. He's out. Devin Duvernay is out. So you're dealing with all these, these injuries to your receiving core. And Lamar Jackson's still out there posting 70 QBRs, high pass rating, which leads me in my second segment. Folks, as it stands right now, you guys know when I do rankings and when I talk about teams, when I talk about individual players. I'm a big believer in the, the I always call it the Janet Jackson theory. It's the what have you done for me lately theory. I don't care what you did last year or last week, but I think your body of work matters. Absolutely. But what have you done for me lately? Today. What is it? Looking at my computer. November the 10th of 2022. Today. Lamar Jackson is top five quarterback in the NFL. I will say it again. Today, Lamar Jackson is a top five quarterback in the National Football League. Only guys that I would absolutely unequivocally take above Lamar. It's three of his contemporaries, ironically, in the same conference. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. That's it. And then it's the debate between Lamar and Brady, and we just saw them play, and Lamar vastly outplayed Tom. And I think Tom's going to get this thing turned around now that his, his, his whole uh, family situation seems to be resolved and, and what comes with that. But Lamar, out, Lamar outplayed him just two weeks ago. You tell me. You taking Aaron Rodgers over Lamar Jackson. You're really taking Lamar Jackson over, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers over Lamar Jackson today. Really. Guy's putting up career-low numbers. Guy who's proven to be one of the worst leaders in the National Football League in recent memory. As opposed to the guy in Lamar Jackson who galvanizes the locker room. Folks, the man wins 75% of his games. Don't, want, don't know what more you could ask. He's won in the playoffs. He's won for, playing from behind. He's coachable. He's a phenomenal teammate. He's, he's, he's one of the best throwers of the football in the NFL. Check the numbers. Top five quarterback passing from the pocket. He's obviously electric running the football. You tell me, other than Allen, Mahomes, and to me, Burrow, who are you absolutely taking over Lamar Jackson today? Who are you taking? Let's just go division by division. You know me. I am the biggest Dak Prescott fan on this planet. Folks, I wear his hat. I'm literally doing it right now. I wear his hat 80% of my shows. 90% maybe. Who knows? I can't put him above Lamar. 
Lamar's won more games, in some cases put up better numbers than Dak, and he has an MVP, and they both have one playoff win. I, I love Dak. I think Dak's right now is just a couple spots outside of the top five. I can't take him over Lamar. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts to me is broken into the top 10 with what he's done this season. He is an MVP candidate. Body work matters. What have you done for me lately? Lamar Jackson has been a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, given the degree of difficulty. Okay, look at guys like, I mentioned Rodgers, I mentioned Brady. It's a toss-up between Lamar and Brady. I'd probably take Lamar, honestly, because he just outplayed Brady two weeks ago. Look at the AFC. You're taking Tua? Really? Really? You're taking Tua over Lamar Jackson? You're taking guys like, uh, who else? You're taking Kyler Murray? What's Kyler Murray done in the playoffs? What has he done this season? Folks, the Cardinals are three and six. Kyler's been awful, especially late games. That, that's one of the big, big differences. Not just leadership. Could not be more different when you compare Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Could not be more different in terms of leadership. Late game situations, the Cardinals, Kyler in particular, have been terrible. Lamar's been flawless. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Matt Stafford. And won the Super Bowl. What's he done this year? Rams are three and five. Matt Stafford is leading the NFL in interceptions. Lamar Jackson will have Cooper Cup. Lamar Jackson does not have Sean McVay. Doesn't have the weapons that Matt Stafford does. Okay? You look at uh, AFC, uh, what's division, uh, AFC West. Yeah, I'm taking Mahomes. Obviously, I'm taking Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. I love Justin Herbert. Guy is absolutely a top 10 quarterback in the league. I'm not taking Herbert over Lamar Jackson. No. He wins more, does more with less. He's more consistent in late-game situations. And I, folks, you know, go back, check the tape from 2020. I said Justin Herbert was going to be the best quarterback in that, in that class over Tua and over Burrow. I love Justin Herbert, and I love what I've seen from him. Look at the tape. Look at this season and beyond. Lamar Jackson's been a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. He's outperformed the likes of Derek Carr and obviously Russell Wilson this year. You tell me. Y'all want to get in the comment section? Feel free. Absolutely feel free. You tell me five quarterbacks that you would take today over Lamar. I'm not taking Rodgers or Herbert or Kyler. Even Dak wouldn't take Jalen Hurts over him. In terms of the impact that this guy brings to the table, in terms of his dual threat ability, in terms of what he's doing with less than all the guys I just mentioned. What, what am I supposed to do? What, what, am I supposed to just ignore that? And then back to the Ravens. This team could be the number one seed in the AFC when it's all said and done. If you look at their schedule, outside of the Cincinnati game at the end, they will be favored in every single one of these games moving forward. If, if, if you didn't hear me say beforehand, I'll, I'll go back over the, the Ravens' remaining schedule. 
Panthers, they already are favored by double digits. Jaguars, they'll be favored. Broncos, they'll be favored. Steelers, they'll be, they'll be favored. Browns, now Deshaun will be back by that point, but I assume they'll be favored. They'll be favored over Atlanta. They'll be favored over Pittsburgh. And then they got a road date at Cincinnati. We'll see. Like that could be a situation where the Bengals are like a one-point favorite. Just because they're at home, we'll assume by that point they'll be you know, in the playoffs or at least just on the outside looking in the last week of the season. Top five quarterbacks in the NFL in this order, one through five. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Brady. And you could convince me to take Tom out of the top five. You really could. Absolutely. Lamar's in that class. And he's going to get paid this offseason. And I warned the Ravens about this coming into the season. I said, you better be careful. If you don't give Lamar what he wants, you'll wish you did. Because then Lamar's going to want more after this season. Give him what he's doing. I'm just throwing that out there. Very, very careful. The Cowboys learned their lesson with Dak. The Ravens are going to have to learn the exact same way with their superstar quarterback, Lamar Jackson. But I love, listen, and I wasn't big on Lamar in 2018. I don't know a whole lot of people that were big on Lamar in 2018. Kind of like a funky throwing motion. And, you know, some even suggested he should be a wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's fantastic. He really is. Now moving, whew, moving to the Indianapolis Colts. Man, they they are they are doing their best to compete with the likes of the Washington Commanders and the Detroit Lions and teams like that for the biggest clown show organizations in the NFL. Now Washington tops the list because they got a bunch of legal issues because their their owner appears to be a crook. We'll see how that turns out. Please sell the team, Dan Snyder. Just let it go. And Detroit, obviously, the, the coaching selections, uh, the coaching hires have been dubious at best. You look at the Indianapolis Colts, though. They fired Frank Reich after a rough start to the season. Uh, I will say this quickly about Frank Reich. Uh, he's going to get a job this offseason. If he doesn't, then he's going to go the Mike McCarthy or Doug Peterson route. Take a year off. It's like a year off from coaching. I, I highly doubt that, that Frank Reich's going to be a coordinator somewhere next year. I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong. Maybe one of these guys, somebody gets a job next year and they hire him to be their offensive coordinator. If so, great hire for them, but I just don't see Frank Reich going back into that role. Like, he's not one of these coaches where he was really good as a coordinator and stunk as a head coach. We, we've seen guys, heck, there are guys in the NFL currently that are sort of going through that. It's not the Frank Reich is a very good head coach. Um, I will defend a coach who wins games, has his team in position to make the playoffs year in and year out when they don't have a franchise quarterback. Ever since the abrupt retirement of Andrew Luck in August of 2019, it was a revolving door of guys. It was Jacoby Brissett, and then it was a 40-year-old Phillip Rivers, who, by the way, he made the playoffs with. Then it was Carson Wentz, who he should have made the playoffs with if Wentz didn't gag the last two games against the Raiders and Jaguars. And now this year, it's an old and clearly washed-up Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger. Not a whole lot to work with. And so... I get after a while, maybe the coach's voice rings hollow in the locker room, and I get that. I, I, under, I understand. After a while, maybe it starts to get a little old. But this guy's a brilliant offensive coach. He is a leader of men. He will get a job this, this, this next offseason. If not, I see him taking a year off from coaching, just like McCarthy did, just like Peterson did. Peterson actually, you know, was, after all, he did work with Peterson in Philadelphia, won a Super Bowl there. 
in 2017. Frank Reich is a very good head coach. But what the Colts decided to do, and I thought it was a joke. I mean, listen, we've seen what's going on with Twitter right now, with the blue checks. We don't know who to trust. Just anybody can be a verified source, quote-unquote. It's hard to trust what you're seeing. So I thought it was a joke when I saw it flash across my phone Monday afternoon. Indianapolis Colts named Jeff Saturday as interim coach. I'm like, there's no way. This, this is, is this like the NFL memes account? There's no way. Is this a parody account? No, it's, 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 it's real. It's real. So Jeff Saturday, who, let me get this out of the way. Really good guy. Really smart. Absolutely. Jeff Saturday, everybody I've ever heard talk about Jeff Saturday, they love him. And I, as a matter of fact, it was it, part of it was so shocking is because I had just finished watching Jeff Saturday like a few days prior, breaking down offensive line play on ESPN. He's he's brilliant. If 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 a coach wants ne- you know next offseason wants to hire Jeff Saturday as their O line coach, go for it because that's a great hire. He's a he's, he's great at breaking down the film on ESPN. He's he's a really good analyst, really good at his job, and he's a good guy. So I, I don't want to make this sound like it's personal towards Jeff Saturday because I really really like him. This has got to be a joke if you're the Indianapolis Colts and Jim Ursay in particular. Now, we know Jim Ursay has tended to be in that category among the impulsive owners. There's a lot of those, and he's definitely in that category. But to name a guy who has no college coaching experience, none, not as a coordinator, not as an O-line coach, nothing, or as an NFL coach, First of all, he's making history. It's the first time since 1961 that a coach has been hired with no previous college or NFL experience. So you have that. You have the Colts making history in that regard. And he's taking over a team and bringing a staff in, folks. His staff, his coordinators in particular, have never called a play in the NFL. His whole staff. Never called a play in the NFL. The only reason that this would make sense is for the Colts to tank to get a high draft pick. It's the only, the only, only reason this makes sense. Now, he is an interim head coach, not a head coach. This isn't full-time. He's not going to be there next year. I mean, unless the Colts get on some crazy hot streak, which is, given the experience of that coaching staff, seems next to impossible. Heck, given how the Colts have looked on the field, looks next to impossible. I, I don't really have words to describe it unless Indianapolis is tanking, which is which is totally possible, by the way, with given how they've looked this season, given the fact that this is a really good quarterback draft, there's four, at least four really good prospects. Hoping to get one of them, possibly. I don't get it. It is, as many have detailed, the good old boy system striking again, if we're being completely honest. It is Jim Ursay making another impulsive decision. And it is one of the more questionable moves that I've seen in the NFL in quite some time. This has the potential to be one of the biggest disasters of the NFL in recent memory. We've seen coaches just this season who have experience. Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett in particular, 
I go so far as to put Dan Campbell in that group. You guys, I love Dan Campbell as a guy. Like, love him. Seems like a great hang. You know, probably the number one coach in the NFL that you would want to go grab a beer with. Absolutely. He's a great guy. He's an awful head coach. So those three. Guys who have experienced coaching. Two of those guys had already been head coaches. Campbell, although he was an interim in Miami in 2015, and uh, McDaniels in Denver. And they're awful. Out-schemed, out-prepared. Bad situationally. What's Jeff Saturday? And what's that staff going to look like? Now, lucky for the Colts, that's their first game, ironically. In the, what is going to be brief, Jeff Saturday era. Against Josh McDaniels and the Raiders, who are missing. Darren Waller. Okay. Uh, uh, Hunter Renfro. I think there's some questions about Devontae Adams' health. As well as Josh Jacobs' health. So this is a good game for the Colts to get, you know, with, with an inexperienced coaching staff. Best game I guess they could have possibly gotten, given the circumstances. The only way that this makes sense is that Indianapolis is tanking. Otherwise, otherwise I, I can't wrap my head, head around it. I don't get it. The, the first time since 1961 a coach has been brought in with no previous college or NFL experience. Haven't we learned this lesson in politics? I know we had just had the midterms the other day. Hope everybody went out there and voted. But haven't we learned this in politics? People with zero experience generally aren't very good. The same is definitely true in the NFL. Now, listen, you, you can have, you know, like some, like some people in Washington, 40 years of experience. Doesn't necessarily make you good. But you'd rather roll with the guy or the gal who... He's been around the block as opposed to rolling with somebody who's never seen the block. <laughs> okay, so I, I don't get it. I, I really, and again, I really, that I'm not, I don't want to come off too strong because I like Jeff Saturday that much. I really, really like the guy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But man, what the heck? Indianapolis. You, you Listen, I, I don't have words for this one. I really thought, given all the situation with Twitter right now, I really thought this was a joke. It ain't. Jeff Saturday just did a press conference with Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard, the general manager. He just did a press conference yesterday. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what's Indianapolis' schedule? So like I mentioned, they got the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday afternoon. After that, they've got, oh, God, they got Philadelphia. That's going to be a bloodbath. They got Pittsburgh, Dallas, that could get ugly. Minnesota, that could get ugly. Chargers, that could get ugly. Giants, that could get ugly. And then they finish with the Texans. Look, I know the Colts don't have, like, championship aspirations by any stretch of the imagination, but come on. Parks Frazier never called a play in the NFL. Jeff Saturday never coached a down in any level as it pertains to college and professionally, you tell me, is it just the good old boy system striking again? Is it that along with the Colts trying to tank for a draft pick? I don't know. 
What it does show is another example that the Rooney system is broken and needs to be amended and needs to be changed and needs to be look, uh, looked at seriously, which we'll see if the NFL does or doesn't do. But moving to a team, uh, let me get a drink for this one. Moving to a team that, similar to the Colts, has been disappointing in a lot of people's eyes. Not mine, because I, 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 man, I called this back in March. As like I said on Monday, because I don't want to like beat my chest about the teams I've been so right on, like like the Packers or the Vikings or team like that. But you know, I've been dead wrong on some teams. Denver, folks, I predict the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. It makes me want to puke. My that coming out of my, my mouth into this mic into your. Your, your your ears. I hate saying that, but I did predict that. I thought the Raiders would make the playoffs. I thought the Rams would get back to the Super Bowl. Looks like they're not even going to get to the playoffs. I wasn't very high in Philadelphia. They're still undefeated. There's a lot of predictions I made this season that haven't aged terribly well. One that did, though, is that Green Bay was not going to make the playoffs. Now, I might have overestimated them. As it, as, it, as it seems to be, I said they'd be 9-8. and eight. Doesn't even look like they're going to get to that, given their schedule. I mean, their next three games are Cowboys, Titans, Eagles. They should be thanking their lucky stars if they win one of those games. Dallas is clearly better. Tennessee is better. And Philadelphia is clearly better. And that game's in Philadelphia, by the way. But uh, we, we got a couple of Packers-related stories. It feels like I always say, like, Thursday is where we always react to what Aaron Rodgers said on Tuesday in the Pat McAfee show, or Wednesday in his weekly media availability with the Packers media. But first of all, let's, let's talk about what Aaron Rodgers said and then get into a report from a very trusted source. I'll tell you who it is in just a second. It's from ESPN about the Packers receivers and how they're feeling about this. So Aaron Rodgers is on the Pat McAfee show. He's on there every Tuesday. And, you know, he's talking about the game. Obviously, the Packers lost 15-9 to in Minnesota. Rodgers threw three picks. One of the worst games of his career. And he said, uh, he said, quote, I always believe in myself first, and I bet on myself first to go out there and to impact the game and to be great. It's cool. I still know I have that within me. I'm still the reigning, defending, two-time MVP. Regardless of who's out there with me, guys want to come battle. If guys want to come battle, they know where to find me. I'll be in the corner of that huddle expecting greatness, trying to inspire the best I can and lay it out in the line. He went on to say, quote, Look, I've thrown touchdown passes many times. I don't give a blank what any of these experts on TV have to say. There's a lot that goes into these things. And for someone to play armchair quarterback who doesn't know what the heck we're play we're running or what's going on, that's fine. I don't give a blank, to be honest with you. Well, first of all, him saying twice, I don't give a you-know-what uh, what we think. Uh, I always say this. Anytime somebody says, I don't care what you say, they they really care what you have to say. Whether whether it's someone like in your personal life, or they they really care. So that's number one. And Aaron, Aaron talks about the the quote unquote haters. He talks about them a lot. Like that's it's something that I've even criticized LeBron for. It's like Bron, Bron, you, you got a lot of haters. Bron's got a lot more haters than Aaron, obviously. Bigger platform, more well known. But like, like, dude, eventually we we get it. Now, if you want to bring up the haters after you accomplish something really big, have at it. You accomplished something. But when you're sitting there at three and six, when you're sitting there as a team that is highly unlikely to make the postseason after posting the number one seed the last two years, after 
You, as you reminded us, Aaron Rodgers, being the back-to-back MVP, just like I said with Lamar Jackson being a top-five quarterback in the NFL and why I have him there, what have you done for me lately? Here's what I know about the great Aaron Rodgers, who, who a guy who I've always said, I've always been consistent on this, is absolutely, without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, a top-ten quarterback in the history of this league. I put him, you know, a lot of people are Favre, Favre guys and gals. I not just because the off-field stuff, but I've never been a Favre guy. Um, but Aaron Rodgers this season, okay? He's posting darn near career lows in every uh, statistical category in his career. This season, he is tied for 27th in picks. He is also tied, I'm sorry, he's he's 27th in the league in QBR. His QBR, folks, for those of you who don't know, is 0 to 100. It's just like a test. It's 0 to 100. Aaron Rodgers right now is a QBR of 36. We can blame that on his bad receiving core, which, by the way, I said this season, I, I gave him I gave him a pass there. Although what I didn't give him a pass on was the fact that he drove Devontae Adams out of the building to go play with the Las Vegas Raiders. I did give Aaron Rodgers the slight pass that he has an incompetent head coach, which is now getting exposed because the Packers are bottom five in the NFL in second half scoring. They're not making adjustments at halftime. It's evident. It's clear. Not committing to the run, despite having two very capable running backs and a good offensive line. Not all this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. I, I've been the first to say that. But like I said, take at least a little bit of accountability. Tell me I'm trying to inspire, and you always come to me in the locker room. Why has he got to say that publicly? Why does he have to rip his receivers to the media and say, if they're not, if they're not playing well, we're going to have to give other guys a shot. If you're not, if you're not cutting it, we got to bench you. Dang, you got to say that publicly and then say some people can't. It's like the, the Jack Nicholson line, right? You can't handle the truth. It's like, well, I don't really want you putting that in front of the whole world to see. And now the Packers receivers, it looks like, are pushing back. According to a report from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, it indicates there appears to be a growing discord within Green Bay stemming from the notion that, quote, some of the young wide receivers have been painted as scapegoats for the team's struggles. So now the Packers receivers are like, enough. You've been kicking us around constantly. Can we have at least, can you show at least a little bit of blame? We haven't been playing well. Neither have you. You threw an interception on the one yard line when you were trying to target David Bakhtiari, who's a Beautifully designed trick play for the Packers. Left tackle, David Bakhtiari, was wide open. And Aaron Rodgers threw it way, way short. And Aiden Hutchinson, the second overall pick of the draft, picked it off. Okay, he made numerous throws that game where it's like, what are you doing? Where, where are you looking with the football? Eventually, when someone keeps, you know, poking the bear and poking the bear, doesn't matter if it's a baby bear or a, a big grizzly bear. Eventually, the bear's going to get a little pissed off and want to fight back. That's what's going on now with the Packers receiving core. So when their quarterback is trying to spin his own narrative, when he is making it as, as, as clear, crystal clear as, 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 as he can possibly make it, that guys, everybody, okay, everybody, it is not my fault what's going on here. Just want y'all to know that. I think it's tired, tiring after a while. If you are Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Gets a little 
a little tiring after a while. Never forget, Tom Brady had a receiving core in 2018 with the likes of guys like Julian Edelman, who, you know, everybody likes Julian Edelman, okay? Chris Hogan. He once had a guy named Malcolm Mitchell, right? A lot of... A lot of guys, a lot of Jags, as the great Bill Parcells would call it. Just a guy. A lot of Jags out there. He won a Super Bowl. Go back, look at the Patriots receiving core in 2018. Wasn't very good. I mean, it's, you know, Danny Amendola, and it's, uh, guys. Tom elevated them to eventually become multi-time Super Bowl champions. And the thing that I talked about on Monday, that is always, one of the things that has always separated Tom from Aaron is not just leadership, but trust. Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust his guys no matter how good or how bad they are. Tom does, no matter how good or how bad they are. Scotty Miller dropped what could have been the game-winning touchdown with just over two minutes left in that game against the Los Angeles Rams. Second and goal from the six-yard line. Tom delivers him a perfect pass. Perfect pass. And Scotty Miller dropped it. He targeted him numerous times on that game-winning drive. Just a few minutes later. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball to Christian Watson. He drops it. First game of the season against Minnesota. Doesn't throw him a pass until the fourth quarter. You guys make mistakes. Folks, we all make mistakes in life. All of us do. You know, we always talk about, we love to hear that uh, a great redemption story. Like, who doesn't want to hear that? Like, it's, it's, it's why, like, if someone makes a mistake, man, don't kick them to the curb. If, if, if they understand the mistake they made and they're, they, they they seek to improve. They make a, a genuine effort to improve. Man, give them the opportunity to do that. Don't ghost them. You know, it's funny that Aaron Rodgers, who's talked about he's a victim of the, the woke mob and he's been canceled. Funny, he's kind of giving that same treatment to his receivers. You know? Christian Watson makes a mistake. Yeah, I'm not throwing to him. I'm not throwing in until the, until the fourth quarter or until Matt LaFleur calls a reverse play to where Christian Watson has to touch the ball, you know? For somebody who hates cancel culture, Aaron sure uses it a lot on the field as a quarterback. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. But this season has been validation for what I've always said about Aaron. He is a generational talent. He just might be the greatest throw of the football that this game has ever seen. He makes his, his, the way he throws the football looks effortless. It's beautiful to watch. He has to be one of the worst leaders I've ever seen at that position in my life. And with the loss of Devontae Adams, with not a clear presence at head coach, with a lot of young guys, just like I said before the season, this was bound to happen. And it's, it's just getting worse. And if and when the Dallas Cowboys show up, a team who Aaron has had a lot of success against with his old head coach, who he famously had a lot of battles with within those Green Bay walls. If he shows up to Lambeau and gets his old quarterback, whew, I'm going to be too. I don't listen. I don't watch uh, Aaron Rodgers interviews live on the McAfee show. I may have to tune in for that one. I may have to tune in for that one. See who he takes a shot at next. I may have to see that. I really may have to, but this is not shocking at all. Something I did want to mention too. Um, before I get to my Falcons-Panthers prediction, appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. The support means a lot. Um, carving it up, presented by The Grid. 
The college football playoff uh, rankings came out on Tuesday night. It's the second second college football rankings they made. And, and I, I'm actually pretty proud of how they looked because I'll put up my list. I always, I'm going to be doing this for the next few weeks until the final playoff uh, comes out. I always do my top four and then the first two out, kind of like how ESPN does it. Okay, so you see what, what my rankings were, one through six, one through six for the podcast audience listening. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, Oregon. That was my top six. And I'll be darned if that is not exactly how the playoff committee put their rankings. Now, and I've always been clear about this, the rank, and to, uh, to me up until the last week, the rankings to me are not necessarily who's better, who's not. I'll put it up again for the, the streaming audience. I think Michigan is going to beat Ohio State. After looking hard at that matchup, watching these two teams, Michigan runs it right down your throat with Blake Corum. They're effective enough in the passing game, and they are phenomenal on defense. This is a Michigan football team whose game travels. It didn't necessarily do that last year. We saw that when they got smacked by Georgia. In, I, guess, I think it was in Miami. I think that game was in Miami, and Georgia just pummeled them. Michigan can beat Georgia this year. They did beat Ohio State last year. It's kind of the same Ohio State team, minus some of those receivers. But what does Ohio State always do? They bring in more good receivers, guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. I got Michigan beating Ohio State. That said, though, given the resume to this point, given you know that win against Notre Dame, by the way, which you know we're starting to think, oh, that doesn't look that impressive. Well, now it looks pretty good. Notre Dame's really turned it around under Marcus Freeman a little bit. I'm fine with Ohio State being number two. That's why I put them there. But I do think Michigan's going to beat them. Likewise, I absolutely think TCU, Tennessee is better than TCU. Matter of fact, I think Oregon's better than TCU. I can't punish an undefeated team with four ranked wins. Now, there's a chance TCU loses this week against Texas. By the way, Texas is a seven-point favorite. I'll be pulling hard for the Longhorns right along with McConaughey and everybody. I'll be pulling for Baylor along with Chip and Joanna Gaines and everybody. And then whoever TCU meets in the Big 12 championship game. Should it come to that in order for my balls to get enough help to get in the college football playoff? I'll be pulling for them. However, 9-0, four ranked wins. Tennessee has five ranked wins, by the way, but one loss to Georgia. I'm just saying, given the resume, given what TCU has put on film, given the coaching job, which has been fantastic, given what TCU has on that, on that roster, I got TCU four. Now, that could easily change this week uh, with Tennessee. My ball's got Missouri. Should take care of business. They're 20-point favorites at home. Should take care of Missouri. And then you've got, by the way, coming off a loss to Georgia. I, f- I feel bad for the, well, I can't say I feel bad for the Missouri Tigers, but you know, the, I can understand why one would have sympathy because Tennessee's going to take a lot of their frustrations after getting beat into the ground by Georgia out of the Missouri Tigers. For senior day, nonetheless. And you have Oregon, who still, week in, week out, has to hear, yeah, you're good enough to get in, but the 46-point loss to Georgia, it's hard for us to put you in. They got to hear about that every week. TCU, it's kind of like Tennessee, by the way. When Tennessee was ranked number one in the playoff, and it's for the first time they're told about how great they are, it's different being the hunter and the hunted. 
we could see that with TCU this weekend. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, they're used to this. Especially Georgia and Ohio State. They've won national championships recently, right? They've been successful. It's a little bit of a different story for teams like TCU, Tennessee. Tennessee, okay, they've they've had that humble pie. Got it stuffed down their throats by, by Georgia and Athens. If they match up again, which I think there's a very good chance that could happen, whether it be in the semifinal or possibly in the national championship game, depending on how the, how the uh, seeding goes, expect that game to be quite a bit closer, that being part of the reason. But put it up again. This is exactly what I had, one through six, and it's exactly how the committee had it. By the way, they had LSU at number seven. That's where I got LSU as well. I got LSU seven. Um, USC eight filled a – I think USC was eight. USC at eight, eight fill, felt a bit high. It felt a bit high given you know how bad that defense has been. I would have probably put UCLA at eight, given what they've shown. But I'm fine with this matter. I'm not just fine with this ranking. This is exactly how I had it. And so Monday, I'll have my new college football playoff ranking. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but chances are it could look different if TCU loses. So we'll see. If, if TCU doesn't lose, it'll probably look exactly the same. Unless, obviously, somebody else loses, like a, a Ohio State gets shocked or Michigan, T- Tennessee, or somebody. But last topic of the day, week 10. Can you believe it? Week 10 in the NFL begins tonight with an NFC South rematch, a game that is a rematch of a game that was played just two weeks ago. A crazy game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Over Carolina. For those of you wondering, P.J. Walker is going to start at quarterback for the Panthers, although if he struggles, don't be surprised if Baker Mayfield replaces him just like last week or really just four or five days ago against the Cincinnati Bengals when P.J. Walker was awful, had like a QBR of zero, I think, and, you know, Panthers were down 35 zip at halftime and Baker Mayfield came in relief and threw threw a couple garbage time touchdowns. Don't be shocked if Baker Mayfield replaces P.J. Walker. But I'm looking at this matchup. I say, okay, we know the offensive pieces Atlanta has. They get Cordero Patterson back from injury, which is huge, given what he produces on a week-to-week basis for this offensive-minded team. Marcus Mariota has playing, been playing really good football as of late. They, once again, in, in typical Atlanta Falcons fashion, kind of gave that game away against a team that also likes to give games away a lot, that being the Los Angeles Chargers. We all saw that play 40 seconds left. You had the fumble in Atlanta territory. Falcons pick it up, and the ball just literally falls out of the defensive lineman's hands. It wasn't forced. It just falls out of his hands because it's not like he's a running back. It's not like he's used to having the ball, uh, being a ball carrier. He loses it. Chargers get it back, and they win on a walk-off field. But it's a heartbreaking loss for the Falcons. But Atlanta's sitting there, and they obviously know this. They win over a two-win Panthers team. And, folks, the Atlanta Falcons are right back on top as the NFC South leaders over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they sit back. They understand how big this game is. As for Carolina, they had a chance to be in first place in the NFC South had they beaten Atlanta, had DJ Moore not taken off his helmet after a touchdown, had Eddie Pinheiro not missed a long extra point, and then proceeded to miss the game-winning kick in overtime. They've had their moments. They've had their opportunities and have it cashed in. And then just getting the doors blown off them against the Bengals. I've always said this in the NFL. Even when you have teams that we think are tanking, which you could argue that with with this Panthers team. There's the embarrassment theory. I've always believed this. When a team gets humiliated, they're going to put up a fight soon after. 
Heck, you saw this last week with, at times, the Houston Texans. Man, they pushed Philly. Philadelphia didn't cover in that game in Houston last week. Expected to possibly be a similar scenario, although Philadelphia's 13.5-point favorites last week. Falcons are 2.5-point favorites, so different story in that regard in terms of, of gambling. But I think this game will come down to the last five minutes or so. But I trust the Atlanta Falcons' run game with Mariota, with Patterson. Drake London scores two touchdowns tonight. That's my prediction. Drake London scores a couple tubs tonight. P.J. Walker probably gets replaced by Baker Mayfield at some point. I love P.J. Walker. He's a phenomenal story. But he probably gets replaced by, by backup quarterback Baker Mayfield. I will take the Falcons to win this game and cover the two-and-a-half-point spread, 27-22 to 22 over the Panthers. I am on a three-game winning streak on Thursday Night Football. So, needless to say, I do feel confident in this pick. Falcons over Panthers, 27-22. They get to 5-5. Five and five, And they get, for the time being, up atop the NFC South. And they'll be, of course, watching the results of the Buccaneers-Seahawks game, which will be played in Munich, Germany, which that'll be a fascinating matchup given the, the Seattle story and, and Tampa Bay with a, I think, winning a must-win game against the Rams at home. Otherwise, they would have fell, fell to 3-6. and six. So props to, props to the uh, Atlanta Falcons for getting to this point. I think Arthur Smith has done a tremendous job as a head coach uh, some of the offensive pieces that Atlanta has, the defense has been respectable. I don't think they'll need to be great tonight, considering how inept Carolina's offense is. Falcons 27, Panthers 22. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out the Carving It Up podcast on the Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you listen to your podcast, you can check that out. The Carving It Up uh, the Carving Up podcast on the Grid Network, along with the All Even podcast, Chaotic Sports podcast, Rocket Fuel podcast, and Clutch Sports Talk podcast. So check all those out with all my guys Barry, Ryan, Alfred, Patrick, everybody involved. Shout out to Mike Guido, too, co-creator of The Grid, uh, as, as well as everybody who's a part of this, this growing network. Uh, also, on the Carving It Up YouTube channel, oh, yes, by the way, subscribe to The Grid YouTube channel as well. On the Carving It Up YouTube channel, be sure to like, share, comment, and hit that big red subscribe button. It takes you two seconds. Just hit that subscribe button and the notification bell. Be notified anytime that we put out any new content, whether it be a video or whether it be a live show Monday, Thursday, or Friday. Predictions tomorrow, week 10. I'm coming off of two really hot weeks. I'm on a hot streak. I'm feeling it right now. I'm like Steph Curry on a Monday night against the Sacramento Kings, man. I'm feeling it. Hope everybody's great evening out there. See y'all tomorrow. Please continue to stay safe out there. There's flu going around, COVID going around, a lot of stuff going around. So protect yourselves, protect your loved ones. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And my balls are going to get in the playoffs, by the way. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -ch
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.